I just want to encourage the listeners to always remember to lead your life with love and self-compassion and be the light in the world and definitely be your own best friend. And remember, you've got this and remember to back yourself because the world... And remember to live by design and not by roster. I just have to keep emphasizing that bit. Yes, yes. Are you a health professional wanting to explore all the options life has to offer? Then you've come to the right place. The Balanced Medics Handover podcast is all about living outside the box of what we've been told. I'm Isabella, your host, a junior doctor from Australia and trained coach. I'll be interviewing health professionals from all walks of life, artists, authors, non-clinical specialists, and more. These stories show that our choices are endless. Let's take the journey together. This is The Handover. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to let you all know that you can now leave a voicemail for the podcast. See the link in the show notes if you want to ask a question or have anything you'd like to get off your chest. Let's hear one of the messages. Hey, Isabella, it's Joe Braid here. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for making me aware of a great way of interacting with a podcast host. Love what you're doing and thank you once again for having me on your pod. Um, I look forward to seeing you again in one of our doctor coaching collabs that we're all a part of. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Joe. Thanks for calling in. Looking forward to hearing more from you and I welcome anyone else to call in too. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Balanced Medics Handover podcast. This episode, we are speaking with Dr. Olivia Ong, a rehab and pain specialist, author, survivor of a life-changing accident, and coach that helps doctors restore their own mental and emotional wellness. We'll be speaking all about Dr. Ong's journey, what she does, and how heart-centered care can improve our lives. Without further ado, let's hand over to Dr. Olivia Ong. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Bella. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited to hear more about your story and hear your wisdom as well. So can you share more about your journey and, and how you got to where you are now? Absolutely. So I'm I'm Dr. Olivia Ong. I'm known as my personal brand, the Heart Center Doctor. Uh, I'm a Melbourne-based rehab rehabilitation physician as well as a pain physician. I'm also an expert in the area of resilience and burnout. So after being hit by a car in 2008, I was told I'll never walk or practice medicine again. I spent years as a patient in hospitals and rehab facilities in Australia and the US in, a, in an attempt to regain some of the capabilities that were torn away from me. But little did I know that I was going to get a whole lot more than I had bargained for. After an intensive three-year recovery process, I walked again and today I share my experience with others. So emerging from such a dark period in my life inspired me to start a business to address the unspoken toll that doctors bear when they don't find the support they need. As an internationally certified high-performance leadership mentor and mindset coach for doctors, I now run programs helping doctors transform their lives, moving from burnout to balance. So being able to speak from my own unique life experiences gives my presentations a deeply authentic feel, and my warm approach has made me a sought-after professional speaker and online educator. And I'm an authorpreneur by heart, and I've written several books, in fact. So I'm author of my, uh, my book, my first book, in fact, The Heart Centered Doctor, which features a foreword from one of my mentors, Jack Canfield. He's the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And I also got, eventually I had a publishing deal with Jack on Soul of Success, Volume 3. 
which won me the uh, Best Sellers Quilly Award from the National Academy of Bestselling Authors in Hollywood. That was for recognition of my authorship. This was in September last year. And I've co-authored a few other books. And the my latest, I guess, book project is a children's book, which I co-authored with my son, Joseph. It's a it's called Jojo the Kind Sloth, a children's book about developing self-compassion. And most importantly, I'm the founder of my company, which is the Heart Centered Method Institute, an education and coaching company. And my vision is for this for my company to be the leading global personal growth and professional development company for physicians so they can be well-rounded, heart-centered doctors, not just you know, professional development, all-rounded. And I've, I'm an award-winning entrepreneur as well. And in an, another arm of my personal brand business, I'm a, I'm a Mindvalley certified business coach and consultant. Mindvalley is one of the largest um, platform for personal growth and transformative coaching, perhaps. So in this particular area of my work, I help physician entrepreneurs actually build and launch their thought leadership business through my professional one-on-one business mentoring program. In fact, one of my clients, Dr. Vanessa and I, I we've actually co-authored a book together among, I mean, with 20 other Ozmanpreneurs, and we will be launching the book together, two of us, me and Dr. Vanessa, in mid-May 2023. And I've been in the media a fair bit, TV, radio, podcast interviews, and publications, and also do a lot of speaking on burnout, um, especially physician burnout, a very topic I'm passionate about. And I also talk about how self-compassion can also transform chronic pain. Yeah, I'm a mom of two kids, as I said. I'm uh, My kids are Joe, Joe is seven, as I said, and Jacqueline is two and a half, and and, I, and John's my husband, very supportive husband, who's used to my, um, you know, entrepreneurial ideas that just pop out of out of nowhere and he gets a bit like like a bit like what are you doing this time around <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so that's i know that's that's a long journey i know but <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely it's a it's a big journey and big journey, so yeah. many things that like you know some people will be a, an author for their that's their career but it's you know uh, media author doctor coach business entrepreneur it's great and that the radical moment that transformed your life where they told you you weren't going to walk again but then you were able to Mm -hmm. um I wanted to ask what do you think the greatest teaching for you was from that accident no you know this is a very good question because I I reflected on this a lot because there were so many learnings I had from my accident but I think the most profound learning from or teaching rather from my accident has to be self-compassion. And I just want to talk a little bit about self-compassion because it's a word that we use a lot, but yeah. I think some of us may still be uh, a bit curious about what it truly means. So I just want to explain that self-compassion is based on the work of Kirsten Neff. She's one of the leading experts in the science of self-compassion. So she's done lots of research, in fact, 20 years of research. So she describes self-compassion through three key pillars. There's mindfulness and common humanity and self-acceptance and self-kindness. And I'll go into a little bit of each pillar. So mindfulness is the first pillar, which is essentially the kind of the gateway to self-compassion. Mindfulness encourages us to acknowledge our pain and suffering and experience our emotions without suppressing or exaggerating them, which means that you just you become aware of, of your emotions and observe them just as they are. 
And this helps us avoid getting swept up in unhelpful cycles of negative reactivity, which happens a lot in day-to-day, you know, uh, especially when working in, you know, in the, in the medical field sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Happened to me today. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Lots of negative reactivity. Yeah. So that's mindfulness. And the second pillar of self-compassion is common humanity, which is often when we're suffering, we always feel like we're alone and isolated. And it's helpful to recognize that all humans suffer and we're all imperfect. So rather than being isolated, we are all participating in a shared human experience through suffering. I think with common humanity, there's that inclusive equity component to to it, uh, to the definition of self-compassion. You kind of feel like you're in it together. It was very evident after we all went through the pandemic together, collectively as a as as you know the medical, I guess professionals as a whole. So we definitely felt that. And the third pillar of self-compassion is self-acceptance and self-kindness. And the key of this is to be kind and gentle with ourselves when we face suffering, whether it manifests through failure, imperfection, or challenges outside our control. And it's helpful to accept these things as a normal part of the human experience rather than fighting against them and then becoming angry, frustrated, or self-judgmental. So self-compassion, very um, powerful tool. I was able to rebuild my life from you know, life-threatening, literally life-threatening spinal cord injury and and burn out not once, I think several times, and back to a place where I had a family I loved, including two kids, a job I enjoyed in medicine and outside medicine too. And I believe through these skills of self-compassion, we're able to be our own best friend and then learn to respect ourselves and build our self-worth. That's how important self-compassion is because I didn't have any self-worth when I had my injury because I was in a wheelchair and I was really very conscious and very ashamed of my injury, which is very, which is a very deep emotion, isn't it? Shame and all that. Yeah. But uh, self-compassion helped me rebuild my self-esteem and self-worth. And I'm a much, you know, bold and courageous, confident doctor right now because of what the accident taught me, which is self-compassion. Wow. Thank you for sharing. And can I ask as well, how long did that take for you to get to the point where you are now from, from when you were in the wheelchair? Well, I, I think, the, my transformation happened in America when I, my accident um, was in 2008. So that was 10th of September, 2008. I was hit by a car and that's how I was rendered paraplegic. And two years after my injury, I went to Carlsbad, which is in Southern California. For those um, who are not familiar with Carlsbad, it's about an hour's drive from San Diego and an hour and a half from L.A., kind of in the in between those two cities. And I relocated to Project Walk Spinal Cord Injury Recovery Center alongside with my husband for three years. So we spent three years as a, in America living as an American, which was interesting to begin with. Like it's a culture shock because, I, you know, like it's, it's really different attitudes, different experiences, but I healed there. Um, I felt that I healed physically, because I learned to walk again there. I learned emotionally, mentally. I heal emotionally, spiritually, and mentally there because as a, you know, as a junior doctor before my accident, because my accident happened when I was first year reg, you know, the years, you know, the junior doctor years, I was my own worst enemy for a very long time. In fact, if I recall, you know, the young Olivia who was a resident doctor, I was very impatient all the time. I'm always, I'm impatient with my patients, impatient with everybody around me, sometimes including myself. 
and then nearing burnout, but pushing through, pushing through. And I was living a life where, you know, I lived according to others' expectations and not my own. And and recovering from paralysis, you know, it's it's a long process because nerves regenerate very slowly. And it gave me a chance to learn about myself. So that's why I did America. I learned a lot about myself. Even though there were days where I went, I was grieving angry but slowly and very slowly over that three years I learned to walk again and I guess throughout that process I it taught me to be a more compassionate doctor and person as well as the value um, and power of being your own best friend now that even though I've now I've lost the ability to walk like an able-bodied person because I still walk with sticks walking sticks and I have a quite obvious limp on my right leg which is very obvious to people but I gained so much in the process and now I see the, you know, now, you know, I've get, gotten all this, how you say, post-traumatic growth, grit, determination, support. And in those days where I thought, you know, I'll never, I remember, I recall those early days of my injury when I thought I'll never, ever recover. The thing is, I was there backing myself mm. every step of the way, believed in myself without judgment, unconditional, like how will I, like how, how I will treat my best friend. So that, that changed my life and um, it can definitely do the same for others. So I, I cannot emphasize impo- the importance of backing yourself and be uh, just being your own best friend. Yeah. Um, and I think this is probably a very useful advice for those who are still navigating the medical training system as, you know, as junior doctors, even senior doctors. That will be a, a valuable advice, I believe, for those who are still there. Yeah. A hundred percent. Just always saying, it's okay, I've got you kind of to yourself, like no matter what happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's interesting that you spoke about that feeling of how when you're a junior doctor, you're impatient and the hospital system, you feel like there's this lack of control. Yeah. A lot of people on, on the Balance Medics page ask about this, you know, how can we navigate this lack of control in medicine, which can be in a lot of ways with the actual clinical side, mm-hmm. patients, you know, non-adherence, you don't know, um, you know, mystery diagnoses, uh, unexpected outcomes, and then also the system- systemic side. So the rosters, you know, you don't have choice of your rosters for a lot of years and um, also training programs. It's yeah. getting harder for people to get on the training program they want, the three strikes and you're out thing. Uh, what, what's your view on, on that, on this lack of control and, mm. and, and how we can navigate this? Yeah. That's a very good question because I definitely felt that lack of control when I was, I guess, even in my, my junior doctor days, um, reg days. I think even like my early days as a consultant, this is way before um, I started personal development. My personal development journey basically only started when the pandemic started, which is around March 2020. Um, I felt that I was constantly out of control. Like I, like, mm. like I felt helpless and hopeless sometimes because... I felt that li- I was living a life by roster and not by design. Yeah. That, that's how I felt. But the last couple of years have taught me many things in a sense that even though you can't control the outside world, which is medicine in general, you can control your internal world. And that's what I, I chose to do. And, and I decided to focus on five things, uh, which I felt was quite helpful to control my internal world which was practicing self-care, not bubble baths and massage, like your own definition of self-care, which is very different for everyone. Yeah. Some people could be more like, you know, the spiritual 
self-care, where they they, they want to do that practice, where they want to go walk in nature, feel in touch with connecting with earth and all that. Um, some people are more like connect connectors. They want to still like, I guess, hang out with their family and friends and maintain some kind of relationship and enjoy that bond. So that's relationship self-care. And also mental self-care will mean things like taking day trips, mini vacations, even taking time at the end of the day to reflect, self-reflect what the day, the whole day was all about and having an outlet for creativity like writing. So I totally support creative writing because that's what I did during the pandemic when everything got out of control. I did that and I ended up writing a few books. I, that was quite amazing, but, but you know, <laughs> a few books is really good. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know what you do with outlet for creativity sometimes, but, and I think one of the most important um, aspects of self-care, if I want to just um, talk a little bit more about self-care, because self-care is not, as I said, not bubble baths and yeah. massage. There is this workplace practice of self-care where you're taking time to chat with your coworkers, not just talking about patient bit, 18 has this condition and we do, we're do we doing this. Not that. You actually have coffee with them. And I remember that when I had those moments where I have coffee with um, you know, my colleagues after, especially when I was doing the uh, ward rounds for rehab, because maybe because we are slower pace, I don't know. We seem to have always time for coffee. And um, yeah, that was amazing that we get to um, kind of chit chat and get to know each other really well. I want to say that two things very important for workplace self-care, negotiating and advocating for your needs, very important. And I think I, I'm seeing a lot of people doing this, which is great. Like, yeah. And being aware of what your needs are actually and then advocating it for yourself. And also setting limits with your boss and peers because what you know ends up happening is they will get you to do stuff after work, check results or whatever, you know, those kind of things. Not good. Yeah. Not say not good, just set limits. Yeah, so that's really important that I cannot emphasize enough. Um, there's a few other things like continue to allocate time for personal growth. Like I enjoy like, you know, watching TED Talks and reading and powering my knowledge on mindset work. So that's really key because mindset is everything, especially in the in the training years. Um, the two types of mindset, I feel that it's quite, um, that a lot of mindset issues that a lot of, um, I guess, junior doctors will face will be the Lone Ranger mindset. I call it Lone Ranger mindset. I'll explain a little while what Lone Ranger mindset is. And the imposter syndrome mindset. And we all know what imposter syndrome is. And with the Lone Ranger mindset, is this tendency not to ask for help? I've been I've been there, so I totally get it. Because asking for help means you are weak, you're incompetent, and what you know, what will my boss think of me that, you know, I won't get a training position next year because he thinks that I'm like, well, I'm asking for help, I should know better. Yeah. So that is Lone Ranger mindset. But the thing is when that kind of mindset perpetuates when you when you actually need help, you know, that, that's how burnout suffer. Like, that's how burnout per- happens because the stress and overwhelm builds up, the anxiety builds up, and, you know, the low range of mindset, it's probably to the detriment of, of the, you know, of the doctor, him or herself, you know, with, with that. And with the imposter syndrome mindset is when you, to- you feel like you're always a fraud and that people will find out that you're not good enough, even though you are really good enough. So I think... There is a special way that I see imposter syndrome mindset. When you face imposter syndrome 
or when you f- start feel the imposter voice coming up, it's actually kind of a good thing because you actually care a lot about what you do. Because think about it, psychopaths and sociopaths don't have imposter syndrome. I don't think they do. They'd probably be like, uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, but we care so much that we worry about how people think or that they'll find that we are not good enough. And yeah, trust me, true. celebrities like Meryl Streep and J.K. Rowling, all these people, Oprah Winfrey as well, they face imposter syndrome, which is a good thing because look at them now. They're growing personally, you know, in terms of growth and expansion. So I think when you face the imposter voice, so I encourage those who are listening, um, if you, you face the imposter voice, say, hey, Maybe this is a good thing that it's encouraging me to go to up to the next level and yeah, I'm going to go for it. So I, I choose to see imposter syndrome as, as a good thing. Yeah. Just a few other things like it, we talked about emotional intelligence or emotional mastery. Yeah. I think this was a, be, a big challenge for me when I, when I was a junior doctor and still am sometimes because I'm a highly emotional person. <laughs> and yeah. And I get really... A, Exactly. And I get really affected by, you know, people's emotions. It actually transfers on me. Me too. And <laughs> I can relate. And I think that there are two, um, I'll, I'll say, not so good ways of um, handling emotions. One way is blocking it. Yeah. And what happens with blocking your emotions? Like, you know, like you push down, you numb it. The thing is, when you stop blocking those emotions, it can come back with a vengeance and it's very problematic and you and you start to resort to strategies like keeping busy all the time just to like hide the emotions or numb it. Some people seek comfort in food. Some people go online shopping, like I did that, like online shopping and and binge eating, did all that, constant activity, keeping myself busy. That's actually a distraction technique to avoid this, you know, this um unpleasant emotions by blocking it. So that's one way. <laughs> and the other um, way of dealing with negative experiences that's not so good is probably drowning. And I'm sure all of you can relate. Some of you can relate to this where there'll be times where you feel like as if you've been, you're just trapped in this hopelessness, sea of hopelessness and powerlessness, and you just feel heavy and burdened. And the thing is, there are better ways of handling um, neg- negative emotions uh, as doctors. I think the key is awareness and acceptance, mm. um, which, is, which actually makes us easier to deal with challenging emotions and circumstances whenever they arise. So simply describing and labeling how we feel, like going, hey, I'm angry right now. I am just feeling frustrated because I haven't eaten my lunch and the water round seems to go on forever. <laughs> I <wish laughs> think I we've all been there. I get angry. Yeah, I get hangry and like, oh yeah, I want to like eat something right now. My back hurts. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Those those things, and it's important to just, um, you know, ch- like describe and label it. And you know, and another way that I kind of handle my mental emotional well being is exploring how to have inspired conversations with other people and yourself. And it's funny this this particular um, framework by Marshall. B. Rosenberg, he wrote a book called Nonviolent Communication, which is really helpful. I actually use this framework for my kids. Very helpful. Yeah. And um, I'll just talk a little bit about it. It's actually quite interesting. So first point is he will he describes to observe and describe the situation. Just observe it. Like you're watching a movie, you're holding a camera or iPhone camera without evaluating or judging. So just observe it just as it is. And then secondly, identify a feeling like what I've just talked about. What feeling 
is arising and where it is in your body, name it. And thirdly, identify your need or desire and get clear on what you need or desire from the other person. And a need is always about you, not about another. And it's always a basic human quality. And that's the thing about us doctors sometimes. We put everyone's needs above us, but not us. So this framework actually focuses on, hmm, what do I need right now? Hmm. And then the fourth thing is formulate a request. And this is phrasing the request positively, speaking kindly, firmly, clearly, with the unnecessary emotions like sarcasm. So you can see why this works in kids, right? Yeah. It's not like, hey, Joe, you got to clean up the room right now. You're messy. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's none of that. This is like, hey, yeah. Joe, I, you know, I'm feeling quite frustrated that the floor is, is messy because your toys are on the floor. So that in a way you kind of do that, but, you know, think of, yeah, um, you, you kind of do that with your, towards your colleagues. Think about it that way. Um, and as well as talking to others in this framework, and this approach will also work if you have your own, you, know, you want to get a handle on your self-talk. Like you have this negative voice that pops up going, hmm, and telling you that you're not good enough and you're making the wrong decision. You are, never, you know, whatever. And all those, um, in, in all those inner critic voices, this framework actually helps you observe, identify your feelings and identify your need, desire, and then formulate a request for this voice in your head, and then you you find success. So, and the fifth bit, the fifth thing that I definitely do is that self compassion, which I spoke about earlier on, the practices and all that. So that what that those five things are key: uh, self compassion, exploring inspired conversations, emotional mastery, self care, and mindset work, daily mindset work, actually. Um, those are the five things I, I do just to keep my emotional mental well-being going yeah that's so important that's such great advice and and people can re-listen to it um, if they want to remind themselves but the self-care whatever it looks like the drawing those boundaries and and not just saying yes to everything because that's when we can quickly spiral mm. into a burnout and and it can be really easy to only realize you're in a burnout when you're in the middle of it before you get there and mastering those emotions because in medicine it's like you said um when you get the emotions come onto you you know it's a hospital like almost everyone there doesn't really want to be there (laughs) so there's a lot of negative emotions swirling around or um well i guess you don't want to say a positive or negative emotion per se everything's accepted and fine but you know, there's hard emotions, challenging ones that we need to navigate and deal with um, anger, sadness. Yeah. So it's really great to be able to speak to yourself in a, in a good way. You also are a coach and I can see why because you have all these great tools that you um, help people with and your practice is um, centered around heart-centered care. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. Uh, you know, with, with heart-centered care means that you're being aware, yeah, that you are aware of what you desire in your life. You're living according to the values, your values track, which is a, a exercise that I get my coaching clients to do. You know your values. If you live according to your values track, you are in alignment and you live a heart-centered life. It also means, um, heart-centered also means you know how to take responsibility for yourself, like self-responsibility mm. and your emotions, which I spoke about earlier on. And you make choices that honor your needs values and beliefs and heart-centered care essentially means 
you're living a life by design, not a roster. Not roster. Not roster. Yeah, Rosters, yeah. even. So that, 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 that's probably <laughs> my, my favorite phrase. Like I always tell, I I love, I tell my clients, we're going to get you to live a life by design, not by roster or rosters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's such a good – when you said that line in the video, I'm like, oh, that's so good because it's so true. <laughs> and, and once you have choice and you make choices, by definition, you're not trapped – or a victim anymore because you're you're no, choosing exactly. where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're nearing the end. It's been so great chatting and you've have so much wisdom that you're sharing with us all. Um I ask everyone this. What is balance to you? Well, for me, balance is more than just feeling like, you know, everything is kind of in place. It's I, I feel that this is more like an inner knowing type of feeling. Uh, because balance is also a buzzword, right? Like mindfulness and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And to me, balance just means that there's this sense of inner peace that you know that you're doing the right thing and you're actually backing yourself for doing the right thing. And you feel this sense of inner peace. I, I can't explain in in words, I guess. It's a feel, inner feeling or inner knowing type of thing. To me, it is. And that's my definition of balance. Mm. And I guess everyone's definition of balance is very different as well. Um, so that, yeah, that, for me, that is what balance is. It's, in a, it's that alignment with you and your values and everything and that sense of inner peace that washes over you when that happens. That is what balance is. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, is there anything else you'd like to add that you think would help the listeners? I just want to encourage the listeners to always remember to lead your life with love and self-compassion and be the light in the world and definitely be your own best friend. And remember, you've got this and remember to back yourself because the world, and remember to live by design and not by roster. I just have to keep emphasizing that, man. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Live by design, not by rosters. That's it, that's it. Um, Now, how can people find you, reach out to you, follow you on social media? Absolutely. So people can find me online and learn more about the work I do on my website, which is, you know, DrOliviaLeeOng.com, where, you know, people can subscribe to my monthly newsletter. And I'm on Facebook as well, um, under Olivia Lee Ong. I'm on Instagram under Ong underscore Olivia. And I'm on LinkedIn as well, for, uh, also under Dr. Olivia Ong. So that's various ways you can um, connect with me. Let me know um, if you find and you know if you happen to come across my newsletter and subscribe to my newsletter and you enjoy the blogs. Just write a comment. I'm, I will read every email. I love it. I love I love com- connecting with my community. That's so great. Thank you for sharing that and thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been amazing. All right. Thank you, Bella, for having me. You've been listening to the Balance Medics Handover podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, I'd love for you to take a minute to rate and review this podcast and click the follow button. For more resources, check out the Balance Medics website. The link to this will be in the show notes below. See you next episode.